This message is provided by Bridgeway Community Church. Thanks for tuning in. Well, howdy, Bridgeway. It is great to see you here today. I'm so glad to be back here with you. Before I dive into the message this morning, I just want to um, just honor, I like to honor the people that bring the word. And the past couple weeks, I thought that Pastor Justin and Pastor Mike did an outstanding job with the series they brought to you. Could you put your hands together and thank them for bringing the word? So, so good. Ah, oh, they are awesome. Not only were they great messages, those are just two really good dudes. And I, I love calling them not only uh, part of the team, but friends as well. I'm Pastor Ron, if we haven't met. And I'm just, as I said, excited to be here this morning. Excited to jump in. In fact, I'm going to start by saying I'm in my happy place. In fact, I have two happy places. Uh, one of them doesn't really mean anything to this morning, but I'll tell it to you. Uh, I have a happy place. It's called pizza, right? Like pizza, I like lots of veggies. This could be a deal breaker for our friendship right now, but I like, I like pineapple on my pizza. Don't judge, don't judge. I, I like that, I really do. Um, but I have another happy place, and it's where I am right now, and it's getting to teach through books of the Bible. In fact, we're kicking off a brand new series today called No Other Gospel, and we're going to be centered in the book of Galatians. So if you've got a Bible this morning, I would love for you to turn to Galatians chapter 1. One of the things I really like about teaching through books of the Bible is it forces us not to skip over things. You kind of got to take things as they roll, as they come to you. And I think this little book is outstanding for us as a church. In fact, I'm going to make a bold claim at the beginning of this series. I'm going to tell you that I believe Galatians, this little book in your Bible, is the most important book in your Bible. Small little asterisks next to the teachings of Jesus. So the red letters, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, read those first, primary importance. But then I would say it's this book. This is the book that you need to know, to understand, to have in the fold of your faith. I believe that the reason this verse is so important, and it's a short book. It's only 149 verses. It's six chapters long. Um, I'm going to encourage you to read this book. Sometimes you come up to me after I start a series. You're like, hey, pastor, what's the reading plan for this series? Let me give it to you. Here's the reading plan. Read the book of Galatians. How do I read it, pastor? Well, I don't know. You could read a chapter a day. You could read a verse a day. I really don't care. Just read through the book. I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm trying to read through the entire book uh, about every day or every other day. It'll take you maybe 15, 20 minutes at most. And this book is power-packed. And here's the reason why it's so important. It's not only timeless. Everything in the Bible is timeless. I believe that this book is timely. It speaks to every issue that we have going on in our world today. And you might be sitting here thinking, well, what's that? I mean, there's a lot of issues in our world right now, right? I mean, you could be here this morning. You could say, well, pastor, I think the biggest issue in our world today is we got, we got to have all this war. We have all this violence. We have Ukraine and Russia. And how long has this been going on? Or maybe it's other issues. You might have noticed this week there was some past couple of weeks there's been issues in the Middle East. Uh, in Palestine, there's been issues between Iraq and Iran and Turkey. Uh, I've got a daughter who's deployed over in that area. So these stories are very real in our home right now. And you might think that's the biggest issue. Others of you might think, well, no, no, it's, it's more domestic. The biggest issues we have right now, they're, I mean, Pastor, have you seen the economy? Have you been following the stock market? It's a, it's a disaster right now, right? Or you might think, no, 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 our real problems are uh, politics, right? You know, toxic 
politics. That's what our problem is. Or maybe your issues are more, well, there's issues going on kind of in our world. There's, there's gender issues. There's sexuality issues. There's marriage issues. There's woke ideologies. And while all of these things are important, I'm going to tell you this morning, they're all systemic. They all lead from this one problem that Galatians tell us, and it's turning away from the one true gospel to a false gospel, to being led astray to a false counterfeit gospel. And that's why there is no other gospel. I want you to know this and to be able to defend this. I believe this book is an urgent call to the church, to our church today. In fact, we're going to get into a lot of details over the next several weeks, um, but the entire book kind of rotates and gives you this urgency in, in one verse. In fact, I want to read it for you. It's Galatians 4. We're going to get to Galatians 1, but Galatians 4, verse 19. I just want to read these words. The writer says, My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. This verse, probably one that you could skip over real easily. It actually gives you everything you need to know about the sense of urgency of the person writing this letter. First of all, he says to the audience, my dear children, it's like he's treating them like his kids, right? Like a parent-child relationship. And then, ladies, moms in the room, this is a little disturbing, right? Like he says, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth. I've never delivered a child. I've witnessed it five times. Ladies, it's painful, right? Can the pastor get an amen this morning, right? Very painful. And amen, right? Like, and if you're a mom, you've brought a child into the world, you're like, once, child, you get one painful childbirth experience. That's all you get. He's saying, I am again in the pains of childbirth. I'm having to do this all over again for you. And I'll continue to do this until Christ is formed in you. The entire book is really an understanding of how we're formed spiritually. And it graves, it's just hurting this person to see this church go through this experience of walking away from their faith. I'm going to give you a lot of background in the weeks to come. All you need to know this week is this parent, this writer, this author is a guy by the name of Paul. He is going to give you, I'm going to give you all of his backstory next week. He's the pastor over this area, this region known as Galatia. He's writing not just one church, he's writing a collection of churches, a group of people, churches and communities that he's been in their home. He, he saw them come to faith, follow Jesus, and then he moved on to the next region where he planted churches. And now he's getting the report that these people in this area of Galatia, be modern day Turkey for us today, are now leaving their faith. And it pains him greatly to see them walk away from the faith of Jesus Christ, from the one true gospel. It pains me greatly as well when I see that in our world today. In fact, I'm not going to give you a lot of statistics this morning, but just one that kind of haunts me, and it's, it's one I've seen a number of times, and it has to do with a study that was done in the United States in 1976. And the study looked at Christians, and it reported that in America, 91% of Americans claimed that Jesus was their Lord and Savior. Now, you could argue with whether, eh, you know, is that really a true number? Regardless, they redid that study, and they found out today that number has dropped to 64%. I got to tell you, we have a serious 
problem. The kind of the big word that you would use to describe this is apostasy. Apostasy is basically saying, I used to follow Jesus, eh, now I don't. It's not that important to me. I gave my life to Christ, but uh, now I don't know if I believe that. And it gets filled, kind of the backstory of the true gospel gets filled with these other gospels. They could be other religions. I used to follow Jesus, now uh, I'm really more into Allah or Buddha. I actually had someone uh, that attended this church for a long time uh, say that to me. Uh, I tried Christianity. I, I'm going I'm I'm to actually follow the teachings of Buddha. And I said to this person, I said, I baptized you. I, I listened to your testimony. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I really believe that anymore. It could happen in all these different ways, whether it's religion or, hey, I just, I don't know. I, I used to follow Jesus. Now I'm kind of into my hobby, whatever that is. I'm into myself. I, I worship myself. On, on Sundays, my time are, is better spent sleeping in or playing golf, whatever it is. And my concern, as this pastor would be, is none of that will matter or save you at the end of this life. In fact, I wanted to do something this morning. I'm so disappointed. I, I have a really nice watch. I mean, like, a really nice watch. And I wanted to wear it this morning because it would really impress you. Um, it's, I don't mean to brag, it's a Rolex, okay? It's a Rolex watch. And I pulled it out of the drawer. I don't wear it that often because smart watches, right? But it's a beautiful watch. I wanted to wear it. I took it out of the drawer this morning because I was going to impress you today. And I, I put it on. And as I bent the metal clasp over, the watch broke. And this is so devastating because this watch, my father-in-law gave it to me uh, about 25 years, maybe uh, close to almost 30 years ago now, and it's broken. What I didn't tell you about my Rolex, and before you get real worried, because I know some people think, well, pastors, you shouldn't have nice stuff, right? Well, I didn't tell you that my Rolex watch is a fake, completely fake. Uh, my father-in-law got it on the streets of New York City, Times Square, for like 30 bucks, and I love this watch. In fact, I've been around watch people, and I've fooled them all. In fact, they'd be like, wow, that's a nice watch. Apparently, the, the second hand, it has to be really fluid to be a real, and, and it is. Like some of you are shaking your head like, I know, I know, I know. It's a really nice watch. And my whole point this morning was going to be the same, is that it's, it broke because it's a fake. And that's what will happen when you buy into a gospel that isn't real. It will break. It will break down on you when you need it the most. And that's where Galatians makes this crystal clear for you. Let me tell you a little story about how this has impacted someone you may have heard of, a guy by the name of Martin Luther. Uh, Martin Luther, fascinating guy, but he was a monk who left the monastery. And he met this woman, Katie Von Bora, who was a nun who left her convent. And they got married, they settled down, uh, had a family, and Martin Luther and his wife, Katie Van Bora, uh, Martin began to preach through the Bible. And then he came to the book of Galatians, and it was literally like his whole world changed. Everything about him changed and sent the trajectory in the direction of the Reformation. But when he came to the book of Galatians, he wrote this. He was preaching through it, like I'm getting to do this morning. He said this. He said, the epistle to the Galatians is my own epistle. <laughs> I have betrothed myself to it. It is my Katie Von Bora. Now, first of all, you have to say to that, what a nerd, right? Like, 
Like seriously, like he's comparing his wife to a book in the Bible. And that's because it changed him so much. He's saying literally like I betrothed, I married myself to the message of this book. What I want for you in this series is I want for this book to become your book. For this gospel to become your gospel so that you can know the true gospel and reject all other gospels, all other false gospels that are out there. I keep using this word gospel. I'm doing it intentionally this morning because the one thing I want to do today is I want to answer the question, what is the gospel? Now, you've probably heard this word gospel. You might even know this gospel means good news. It means evangelism. And I don't want to assume anything this morning. In fact, I want to take our cues from what this writer, Paul, is going to tell us about what the gospel is. Before I can claim there is no other gospel, you have to know what the gospel is. So I'm going to give you, as I said, lots of background in the weeks to come. You're going to know way more about this book. All you need to know today is what I told you. Paul, the author, is a pastor. He loves these churches. He's been close to them. He's seen them give their life to Christ. And now he is fired up because they are deserting. They are leaving the one true faith. They are actually trading heaven for hell. And it's got him fired up. So he writes this letter. We're going to read a little, teach a little. I find that to be kind of the best way uh, today. Today will just serve really as kind of an introduction to this letter. But hopefully you found Galatians chapter 1, starting in verse 1. He identifies himself. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia. Now, you would just pause here and say, well, this is standard introductory type salutation kind of language in a letter, right? And he's identifying that he's got some authority to be writing this letter. He's saying, sent not from men. I wasn't on this mission to write this letter because someone told me to. I'm writing this because of Jesus, who God had sent And I'm not alone. Like, I've got all these brothers and sisters. I'm in unity with the church at large. He's giving you his authority. And he uses a really strange word to sort of identify himself. A lot of times you'll read Paul and he'll say, I'm a slave for Christ. I'm a bond servant. He kind of identifies that way. This way, this letter is kind of unique. He says, an apostle. And I want you to think about that word for a moment. Now, that word is actually kind of like uh, duplicitous. It's got a capital A at times. And capital A apostle means the original apostles, like the original 12, the ones who first followed Jesus, James and John, Matthew, Judas, those guys, right? Like they, they're kind of a closed group. Um, they followed Jesus, they saw his ministry get started, and they're the OG, they're the original apostles. Paul's saying, I'm not one of them. I'm a little A apostle. And this little a is actually, I think, something that we don't talk about enough in the church. It's actually a spiritual gift, the gift of apostleship. You could think that an apostle is actually a movement maker. And somebody who has the gift of apostleship is really good at starting things. Kind of can see that in Paul's life. Starting churches, that was just sort of like natural to him. He's an apostle. That's his authority. And he's going to begin to kind of now like open up for you what the gospel is. He says this next in verse 
3. He says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to get into the details of what the gospel is, but he begins to tell you already. He's two sentences in. Third verse, he tells you that the gospel is all about grace. If you don't hear anything else from me today, you need to know that the gospel is all about grace. And when you have the grace of Jesus, you have the peace of God. How how many of you know someone right now that is struggling to find peace? Right? I mean, mentally, they're, they're not at peace. Maybe physically, they're not at peace. And we hold in the gospel the answer, the solution to all of the struggles to find peace. If you have the grace of Jesus, you should have the peace of God as well. This is how it works. It's sort of like peanut butter and jelly. They work together. They go hand in hand. And this is honestly where I got to just sort of show my cards and tell you that, that this is where, it, honestly, it gets too easy for us. I, I mean that. It, it actually gets too easy for us because the gospel is actually quite simple to understand. And you're going to see in this letter that this author, Paul, he's not striving for grace. He's actually being fueled by it. There's a big difference. There's a big difference between between having something and trying to reach out and get something. Paul here is not trying to reach out and get grace. He's actually operating from a position of grace and peace. You could say, I love the phrase, Paul kind of has this non-anxious presence about him. He's got this this peace that fuels him. He's fired up about the truth, but he's operating out of grace. We work, oftentimes, and our world works in exactly the opposite way. We're always striving, always trying to achieve something. Have you heard of this idea of the performance trap, right? Like somebody else is achieving, performing, doing, and, and you feel like, I must keep up. Let me actually kind of phrase it a little differently. Um, I was thinking about this. How many of you are, uh, how many of you are like diehard Detroit Lions fans? Come on, raise your hands. I know, loud and proud, right? Let me hear the roar, right? Like, and you know what? There's a lot more hands right now than if I would have asked that a few years ago, right? Um, so actually, some of you, you're you're born and bred. You're dyed in Hawaiian blue. I get it. I get it. Uh, not me. I am not. I am a. I am a self-admitted band. Again, Lions fan, right? Like, I really am. Or maybe if we put it in spiritual language, I'm a, I'm a reconverted, right? I'm a born-again Lions fan. And, and I think many of you are too, right? Like, my, my kids will tease you, especially my, my son Bryson, because I'm kind of, I'm always for the winner. I like the winning teams and the winning programs. And, and I think you are too. I think if you're honest, yeah, some of you, you know, you, you went through that 0-16 Lions season. Do you know that the, that the Vegas oddmakers, I just heard this Friday on the radio, the Vegas oddmakers actually have the Lions winning best percentage odds to win the Super Bowl this year. Like, someone just call them crazy, right? Like, Lions fans, like, we'll take, we'll take make the playoffs, win a game. Like, that'd be just perfectly fine for this season, right? And here's the deal, because we're bandwagon or we're reconverted, and we're on the bandwagon. We love the performance when they're winning. But if they start losing, what happens? Oh, we're done. On to the next team. Find me another winner. And that's how it kind of works in the world, right? In fact, we're all about results. I mean, I guarantee if you go to work tomorrow, you sit down with your boss, your boss isn't going to ask you, you know, well, how are you doing? How are your feelings? Give me all the warm and fuzzies, right? I mean, they may ask that, but at the end of the day, the, the boss is concerned about 
your results, right? I mean, look at education. Education doesn't work on, a, on any other system other than grades and getting the right grades. In fact, we have a, a phrase, right? You get what you deserve. And when you come to grace, it's actually the exact opposite. You, you, you get what you don't deserve. And this whole idea of the gospel, this grace, is all about, about kind of changing our minds. We have to really change in our minds this idea of doing to accepting what Jesus Christ has already done. That is where the gospel begins to open up for us. You get freedom and grace. And he's going to actually define this for you in these next few verses. Picking back up in verse 4, he's talking about Jesus. He said, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, this is where the gospel kind of gets this idea of being good news, because I underlined some words here about sin and rescue and evil, evil age, and then at the end of it, being able to say amen. This incorporates with the gospel, the details, the facts, how it actually works in real life. And this should be good news. If you've never heard the gospel and it hasn't hit you as, wow, that's really good news, then I would argue you haven't heard the gospel correctly. It might not have been presented correctly. Maybe you missed some points. But this gospel, these words, sin and rescue, and the ability to have this oneness with God, leading to him getting all the glory, is how it works. Let me kind of break this down for you. You may want to write down these aspects. This is actually what the gospel looks like. He says, you have this sin nature. Let me just tell you this morning the bad news. You're a sinner. I hate to break it to you. And you're in good company because I'm a sinner too. In fact, the same author, Paul, would say that he's the chief among sinners. Like, top of the list. Like, when it comes to sin, Paul would say, I, I can take the cake. I am the best at this. And it's true, we're all marked by sin. In fact, later in the book, um, Paul is going to refer to sin as, as being part of your flesh. Your, your sin nature is a part of who you are. And it's a defining characteristic that is only shed through this pathway of humility, of saying, I am a sinner, of admitting and confessing, I am marked by sin. But not only that, you're a sinner in a world that is filled with sin. Actually, he calls it evil, right? A present evil age. Now, I can prove to you that we live in an evil age because, um, let me just ask you, do, you, do you lock your car doors? right? I mean, like when you go into Grand Rapids and you, you want to like stop in that taco place, like do you leave your car unlocked? No, you lock your, do you, how about your home? Do you have a, you have an alarm system on your home? Do you conceal carry, right? You don't open carry because then everyone would see, but you conceal carry, right? Um, you have maybe someone coming over to your house to do some work on your home. It's going to be tens of thousands of dollars. Do you just take that contractor at their word? No, you're like, can I get that in writing? Like exactly what you're going to do? Why? Because we live in a world that is operated by evil and by people who take advantage of others. And we come to this gospel and we have to reconcile that the world is not the way it's supposed to be. Not yet. You're going to see in this letter that part of the issue is there's actually people that have infiltrated this church. And they're spreading this evil among, among them through the way in which they're teaching about Jesus. There's evil. And fortunately, praise God, there is a rescue plan in Jesus. Jesus is your rescue. God actually has had this plan 
from the very beginning of time, since Adam and Eve, since the original sin plunged us into this darkness. You could say that from Genesis chapter 3 onward. We've been dealing with this mark of sin in our life. We've been placed outside of the garden. We're east of Eden, you would call that theologically. And we're trying to get back. And the only way, how do you, how do you work through sin and an evil world? Well, you can't. You don't. You actually need someone to come in and to save you. And this is where Jesus comes in. I, I, I'm always fascinated when I, I see someone um, and, and they kind of, like, they put a tattoo on them about, like, what they believe. And, and I've seen this tattoo a lot, like Jeremiah 29.11. You probably know that verse. Maybe some of you have it as your life verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And, and sometimes I'll see that tattooed or someone will share that with me. And, and I'll say, yeah, what does that mean to you? And a lot of times someone will say, well, you know, that verse means that God, God has a future for my family. He has a, a plan for my life. He wants me to succeed in life. And, and while God wants those things for you, that isn't at all what that verse means. Um, that's actually a verse that proclaims this rescue plan. God doesn't want to harm you. God does have a hope and a future for you, and it's to lift you up out of the muck and the mire of your sin and the evil in this world. And when you understand that that's the mission that Jesus came for, the only response is to praise God. That's why this text kind of ends with this, to glory to God forever and ever. I grew up in a church that we would sing the doxology every Sunday. Doxa is this word for glory. He's giving God glory. All you can say at the end of this is, amen, let it be. This is what I want. And this is it. It is as simple as this. This is the gospel. And what you're going to see, I pray you never forget it. I pray that you know it. I pray you can defend this. Because what you're going to see next, and we're just going to read a few more verses, because I want you to see where this letter is going. I want you to see what happens when you give up on this gospel and you buy into false gospels. So he's going to explain what happens when this gospel becomes distorted. Just a few verses, picking back up in verse 6. Paul again, he says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Here's what happens. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we've already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under a curse. I tell you, as a pastor, I read this and I think of some my responsibility to get this right. I'll tell you, I, these are strong words, right? I mean, they're not just for me. I, I need to teach this properly, but you, you need to live this as well with me. Otherwise, he says on two occasions, under a curse. I mean, Paul doesn't pull any punches. This is like the bull seeing red, right? Because he's seeing that people are being led astray into this false gospel. People are perverting the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just kind of one verse. In fact, we'll come back to verse 6 here. How people are turning to a different gospel. He says, I'm astonished. They would so quickly give up on the grace of Christ. The grace of Christ. Now, what you're going to see and what's happening in this church is these infiltrators are like spies. They come into the church 
And they pretend on the surface to have like the best intentions for the people, but they start changing the message of the gospel. Um, They're actually known as Judaizers. And they come along and they say that it's not just about grace. Oh yeah, grace is important, but you got to add something to grace in order for it to count. You want to go to heaven someday? You need grace. And they would start to add things that look more like traditions, more like customs, more like, like culture. And the two big ones in this area are traditions around food, and the second is around a little medical procedure called circumcision. This is the part in the message where it gets really quiet in the room. All the guys cross their legs repeatedly, and it gets a little cringy. Because that's what they're saying. They're saying, oh, you want to go to heaven? You want to be saved? Well, you need the grace of Jesus, and snip, snip, you need a little surgery, right? Right? It's that uncomfortable. And believe it or not, there were people in this church that were calling their doctors saying, hey, I guess I got to have this procedure. And Paul's like, no, no, what are you doing? Like, don't do that. Whatever you do. Some of you are like, pastor, if you said that to me on a Sunday morning, I'd be like, heaven, hell, I I don't give me the week to think about it, right? Like, I'm not having that surgery, right? And it sounds so ridiculous to us, but it wasn't to them. And if I'm honest with you, I think we need to see kind of the context of our world today. We do this all the time. In fact, we take the grace of Jesus, the pure, easy, simple to understand grace, and we begin to add things to it. Say, well, you know, what what would really take you from this level as a Christian to this level is if you added this. In fact, world religions ultimately operate this way. If you take The religion of Jehovah's Witnesses, they believe in Jesus. I haven't had one on my doorstep in a little while. I'd I'd love to have a conversation uh, with one again. And and the problem is, is they believe in Jesus. They know very little if you press them. A Jehovah's Witness knows very little about Jesus. They believe in Jesus and got to add to that the teachings of the Watchtower. That's how you get to heaven. And they don't even really understand how the 144,000 sealed actually Works. You could take another world religion because to Jehovah's Witnesses, Paul would say that's another gospel and that's cursed. You could take another one. You could take Mormonism, the Church of Latter-day Saints. They believe in Jesus as well. And the teachings of Joseph Smith, who was visited by an angel and wrote his own book. And you have to follow that book. It's Jesus and another gospel. And Paul would say that's a false religion and it's cursed. You could look at Islam. Muslims believe in Jesus. In fact, Muslims oftentimes know more about Jesus than many Christians do, and they would call Jesus a great teacher. But they would say, and or but the greater teacher is the greatest prophet, Muhammad, and you have to follow and believe him. We do this not just with other religions. As I said, we do this inside of Christianity as well. We'll think and say things like, well, you believe, but you know what? If you're, if you're really a Christian, then, well, you got to be baptized. Or, well, you believe in Jesus and the gospel, but you've also got to speak in tongues. What, you don't speak in tongues? You don't even have the, like the special prayer language with Jesus? And it'll elevate these other gifts and these other things. Or you don't take communion every first and third Sunday? You have to do that. And it's Adding to the gospel, we do this over and over. We do this politically. You have to be, you have to be conservative, right? Or you have to be liberal, right? And 
we add to the gospel, and over and over again, Paul would say, don't add anything to it. And I'll tell you, if you're a Christian for any length of time, you'll have this pull. You'll have this pull from the world, and you'll have this pull even inside of your own faith and the traditions you've grown up to, to try to add to the faith. So Paul says, I'm astonished. I'm absolutely shocked that you would so quickly desert the one who called you in the grace of Christ. There's our word again, grace. I feel like a broken record this morning because it's a one-point sermon. Again, the gospel is all about grace. It's all about grace. And I want to invite the worship team to come up and just give us an opportunity to reflect personally in our own hearts what that grace means to each one of us. In fact, I just want to ask you this morning, have you experienced this grace, this gospel in your life? Not grace plus religion, not grace plus traditions or culture, just the pure grace of Jesus. Have you met the one who has called you? Have you met the one who has given you this grace personally? And I believe this is personal. I'm very careful with these moments because I don't want to, as a pastor, add anything to salvation. Salvation is this grace that you decide between you and Jesus to accept him into your heart. And I've been really careful over the years. I've, I've never tried to add anything to it like, you know what, if you're saved, you've got to raise your hand or you've got to come down and you've got to kneel at the altar because I think that would be a grace and some other form of work. What I want for you this morning is to know this grace, to accept it in your heart. In fact, I, I want this for you, and I want you to want this for the people around you. I think this is going to be a great series. If you know someone, if you care about their faith, and, and jo- invite them to join along and to learn with us. But I want to pray for you. So if you would simply bow your heads and pray with me, please. God, there is just beauty in this gospel. There is just beauty in this good news and what defines us as your children is this salvation by grace through faith God there's nothing we can do to earn this love you call us to just simply accept it and then operate move and live from it and God I just pray that we would do that that we would we would reject any form of some other gospel that requires that we do or add or strive in you that work is done and in that work we rejoice so God I I just want to simply give everyone here within this space and this time and the quietness of their own heart to just simply say Jesus I accept your grace I admit that I, I am a sinner in an evil world I contribute to that evil and I accept your rescue plan your son Jesus perfect in every way given for me And my obedience is to follow him every day from this point forward. And if that's you, then you are saved. You are sealed. You are part of God's family. And all of heaven rejoices with you. God, we give you all the glory, all the amens and the amens for what you're doing. We give you our praise. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Check out our app or website at bridgewaycommunity.org for more messages or to take the sermon one step deeper by downloading the Sermon Discussion Guide. 